Father Jonathan, happy Easter. Deacon David, happy Easter to you. Christ is yeah, risen. It, indeed he has. Christ is risen. And it's not just us as talking about yesterday. We're in the middle of the octave. So <laughs> That's right. It's still real. Happy Easter Monday. <laughs> well, you know, every Sunday is Easter, David. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. How was your, uh, how was your triduum? Weird. Okay. Really weird. With no people? With no people. Um, yeah, actually, the... So I've been putting in a lot of work <laughs> to these video liturgies. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the work is sitting and waiting for things to process and upload. Oh, yeah. So it takes Absolutely. a long time. Yeah. And yeah. when you live stream, all of that goes away. Because <laughs> it's just going straight out there and then it, yeah, then it stays Yeah, it's up. just it on Facebook. Up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was easier for me in that sense um, to do just because there's so little processing afterwards. Right. Um, you right. just put it up. Um, I did do the Paschal sermon for the vigil, and I thought it was really cool. I got uh, real into it. Yeah. The John Chrysostom one? Yeah. So how did you do it? Did you just read it out loud and just dramatize (laughs) it, or what? How did that work? What do you mean? I just preached it like it was a homily, because it is. Nice, nice. Um, (laughs) You could watch it, you know. (laughs) I could watch it. Is Is this on your YouTube channel? No, it's on the Facebook Okay. So when you live stream something, you can't put it then on YouTube because it's on your Facebook? You can. You have to download the video, though. And I wasn't using my phone because my data, I have very poor signal in the church. So we were using the pastor's phone. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I mean, I just didn't know how much space he had or, you know. Right, right. Really just didn't Um, want to hassle with that whole thing. The uh, the Easter vigil that I went to, the homily, I got to tell you, man, was really awesome. Um, I didn't preach, but it was a really good, um, it was a really good homilist. The, the superior here is a really good preacher. And he, his whole thing was about reclaiming the night hmm. Um, hmm. for God. And yeah. because he started off by this whole thing of like, when he was a kid, he used to think that the most appropriate time for Jesus to rise from the dead was at dawn. Um, with the rising sun, but we celebrate the resurrection on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's something really beautiful about thinking that the resurrection sort of reclaims the night for God. It's no longer the time for monsters. It's right. the time for new life. Right. Um, mm, I like I that a lot. That was a re- yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, but anyway, so... Well, it also shows that day. in the darkness, the light shines. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's not a place for us to be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, we can reclaim the night. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should you should um so anyway so we're in the octave of easter and this upcoming sunday we have a uh, divine mercy sunday have you had a chance to think about your homily for next week not too much i've been kind of um vegging out as it were after the vigil after the true after the true oh yeah <laughs> absolutely um yeah me too I, but, mean, I didn't preach at all and i had a ton of to do over the true and i'm just kind of spent yeah a little bit yeah on, a lot of that but I th- I do think that there's something beautiful about the way that the readings kind of follow. I mean, obviously they follow the story, um, but now we've got that wonderful story from Thomas that we that we actually talk about quite often um, oh, yeah. on the yeah. show. Um, and like yet again, you know, we're faced with is this something that we actually believe? We can say it as much as we want um, till the cows come home. But if we don't actually live it, 
if it doesn't actually change, if we are not changed by it, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. what's the point? Right, right. Um, you know, so speaking of doubting Thomas for a second, I, what I, when I was in college, there was a, an article that was circulating around sort of like Christian, uh, the blogosphere uh, back then. <laughs> and there was this, this article that was really great uh, where someone was talking about, it was called um, The Worst Week in Thomas's Life. And it was emphasizing this one detail in the gospel for this Sunday that I often miss, which is that it begins just towards the end. It says, now a week later, yeah, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Um, just to be thinking about how Jesus revealed himself to the disciples on Easter Sunday and Thomas went an entire week without having seen the risen Lord. Hmm. And just to be thinking about that in terms of like him coming home to be with the apostles, maybe in the upper room or something, and all of them rejoicing over having seen the risen Lord, and he still not having had that experience. Yeah. Um, And so this article was just emphasizing something that I think I found very helpful in the moment, which was when other people are rejoicing and I haven't had a moment of grace in a long time or I feel spiritually dry or dead, like it can be really isolating and very lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and how to have joy when other people are rejoicing, even though I'm not there yet. Um, I don't know. There's a lesson there, I think, for, for me with patience, but also like, Trusting in the Lord, even if I haven't experienced them, while others might have. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's that's somewhat relevant to the situation that we're in these days. That you know we're not allowed to go to church. You and I are very fortunate in that sense. That yeah, I can kind of do that wherever, and you are in a house of religion where there are other priests. So right, we right. we have that benefit of being close to the Lord in the sacrament, and everybody else you know, has to trust that it's still real, that Christ still has risen. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's sort of like a, it's a fundamental thing for the resurrection uh, gospels that there's all this stuff about not just you coming to faith, but also trusting in another person's witness of having seen the risen Lord. And so there's something really great about all these gospel passages and also the readings from from acts that really emphasize the the value of listening to someone else's testimony mm-hmm. to bolster your own faith and so like in the case with our pandemic you know um there are plenty of people who are experiencing grace but many people who are also experiencing tremendous loneliness isolation and despair how is it that one person's grace can feed the body of christ that is lacking or struggling you know at this particular time um the communal nature of witnessing of the resurrection, I guess, is my whole point. Is that yeah? Well, and that was part of my. Um, that's what I foc- kind of focused on with my Holy Thursday homily. That yeah, Jesus set up the framework of our worship over a meal, but it's so much more than that. Which is why when we can't attend that supper, when we can't attend the banquet, that that we're not just completely lost because it's not yeah. just on me going to the party. It's about trusting right, right. Um, in the witness of others. You know, it's trusting that, mm-hmm. yeah, this is something that is more than just my own experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Jesus still shows up. And I think that's the beauty of our, of our gospel reading for the Sunday, is that even with that, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the nail marks, I will not believe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jesus says... Uh, where is it? Uh, 
blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Well, mm -hmm. he doesn't say that in vacuum. He says that saying, put your finger here and see my hands. Right, right. You know, so, so now that you're talking about this a little bit more uh, about what Thomas experienced, I've been thinking a lot about how does Thomas sort of serve as a foil to the chief priests and elders that crucified Jesus? And the reason I'm saying this is because when we read the Passion Account on Friday, um, it was very clear, or on Sunday of the week past, it was very clear that the Pharisees were crucifying Jesus or persecuting Jesus out of envy. Mm -hmm. And I think that was explicitly mentioned in one of the Passion Accounts. It was because of envy, because Jesus was doing something that they could not do, and yeah. so they wanted to destroy him. And I'm just thinking about Thomas. Thomas could easily be envious of the other apostles, right? He could be very envious in saying, you've had an experience I haven't had, much like all of the Jews that came to know Jesus had experiences that the Pharisees might not have had. And out of envy, they destroyed Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thomas, on the other hand, could have been envious of the apostles and their experience, but instead of seeking to destroy Jesus, he seeks to come to know Jesus yeah. by hmm. encountering him. Hmm. You know, so like, there's something really beautiful here of a reversal of like, Thomas could be angry with Jesus mm -hmm. because you didn't wait for me. You didn't meet me where I was. You met them and then you left me waiting. Instead of being angry, though, he... He comes to know Jesus as Lord and God, you know, because he trusts that, you know, I don't know. At least he comes near to Jesus and he wants to get to know him. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the Pharisees, right, that seek to destroy him for envy, out of envy of uh, what he's done for the others. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. And as you know, that's one of my big things that I really like to talk about is looking at how figures like... Um, uh, uh, Peter and Judas, how figures like Saul and David are basically the same type of character, and they both sin in the same ways, and yet one turns mm -hmm. out drastically different. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I hadn't, I had never considered those two, you know, the, the Pharisees as being the same type of a character as Thomas, but I think you're right, it works. It um, does work, you know, like, especially since, like, like the Pharisees... Their envy has to do, I think, with a lack of experience of Jesus. Yeah. That they haven't been touched by him. And Nicodemus, on the other hand, was touched by him, who was a Pharisee. And he didn't persecute him. You know, and so there's just something to be said about when you're touched by the Lord, then there's a conversion that happens. Um, or you seek to destroy him out of envy for not having been touched by him. Yeah. So anyway, I think there maybe there, there's the fork in the road. Are you going to seek to destroy him or are you going to seek to love him? You know, are you going to be envious of where he is in the world and you're not there and then see yeah. him or destroy whatever little light there is in the world Yeah, because you haven't received it, you know? So there's another, so a week ago today, a week ago yesterday on, on um, the Monday of Holy Week, Paulson. no, Monday of Holy oh. Week, um, the gospel from, from John was uh, when Jesus went to Bethany to see Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, the very end of it, I was very struck by this. The chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus too because of the many of because many of the Jews were turning away and believing in Jesus because of him. So again, yeah, there's this element of jealousy that he's yeah. saying something so radical that it's making people turn away and follow Jesus. Yeah. And that they yeah, plot yeah, to yeah. kill him also because of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um no, so anyway, so there, there's an angle, I think, for a homily that would be really cool. It's kind of a fresh take on Thomas that 
um, doesn't just focus on his doubt, but also focuses on how he redeems maybe even the role of the Pharisee. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that a lot. Hmm. One, uh, one thing I wanted to focus on a little bit with you is the first reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really struck by the first line. They devoted yeah, themselves. Really, yeah. So not that the whole the whole first sentence. So this might actually be a really great way to have a homily that's dedicated to catechesis in the Christian life. Like, what are the pillars mm-hmm. of the Christian life? Right here, they devoted themselves to what? To the teaching. The teaching of the apostles, to communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. So there could be a really great homily built around a catechesis of what Christian mm. living is. Mm-hmm. That to be a Christian is to, one, dedicate yourself to doctrine. Mm-hmm. Two, dedicate yourself to community life. Three, dedicate yourself to the Eucharist and all the other sacraments. And four, to develop a prayer life. So all four, you, know, you get what I'm saying? So like you yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can maybe structure your homily around like how to teach people what it means to be Christians. You know, especially those who are new Christians who have been baptized, you know, ideally at Easter. This is a catechesis of what Christian life is. Like. Yeah, and what is, I mean, like when when you say, "Oh, we need to dedicate ourselves to doctrine and prayer and blah blah blah," uh, well, well, like just right, just then, you know, it seems kind of humdrum. Like, okay, yeah, we know this, blah blah blah. But what's the ne- right. very next line? Awe came upon everyone. Like, if you right. really give yourself to this, it's not something that limits you in any way. It's the exact opposite. You become filled with mm-hmm. awe. And you see the yeah. many wonders and signs that are done through this faith. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, and there's a great line at the end there, too. They ate their meals with exultation mm. and sincerity mm. of heart, you know, enjoying favor, praising God. Uh, there's just a lot of optimism, positivity, sure, yeah. but it's grace, ultimately, that is imbuing the life of the community because they're dedicating themselves to the teaching of the, of the apostles. But what's great is that, like, you're right, doctrine is a word that is a sort of reduced down to, okay, here's a list of things right. I have to believe. But what is the teaching of the apostles? Well, go back to the first reading from Easter Sunday. It's Peter standing in front of a crowd, giving witness to having seen Jesus mm-hmm. rise from the dead. That's the teaching of the apostles. That's Christian doctrine, is witness to the resurrection. It's not just, you know, mundane, dry nuances of, you know, high thinking. It's it's a real life giving witness, you know, to what you've what you've received. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. One of the other things that's really striking about our readings, uh coming from First Peter, um, I just couldn't help but think of again this this pandemic that we're living through. In this you rejoice, that salvation that we've been given, although now for a little while you may have to suffer through various trials. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that is perishable, even th- even though tested by fire, may prove to be for praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. You know, mm-hmm. and acknowledging that it's going to be hard. And, you know, that transcends just the pandemic, but certainly that's the most um, visible of our current hardships. That mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's temporary a <laughs> mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and b and more importantly that even though it's tough and people are are literally dying around the world there's still hope yeah yeah and how is it that a trial becomes fire testing gold you know um and how and what does it mean for a faith to be tested by fire by um by the trials by the various trials yeah. that's that's a 
that's tough because we don't want to think that God is just punishing us to try our faith, but it's right. in the circumstances right. that we're in, our faith is put to the test. And, yeah. you know, what comes out, what, how do you come out on the other side? And this gets to the, the slogan that you and I keep going back to in our own conversations about, you know, how crisis reveals your true religion. Mm-hmm. And the crisis is the fire. That's the test. And what comes out on the other side of that is what your true religion is. Yeah. You know? What are you actually worshiping? Um, in your life, when crisis really hits, you'll find out. Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of uh, <clears throat> of the Great Divorce, as I often am. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one book you've read. The one book I, that I've read, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, the striking, and this part isn't necessarily Catholic theology, but uh, he has this really striking line that this um, this kind of middle place, this purgatory, for those that accept God and allow that fire to consume them and to to transform them into the shining beings. For them, that really was kind of this transition purgative place. But for those that reject it, that go back to it and further isolate themselves, it becomes um, it becomes their damnation. And yeah. so, you know, as you were talking, it's like, yeah, you know, that what's the difference between just being tested and and you know, these things ending in uh, praise and glory or ending in destruction, well, it's what you do with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to go back into the darkness because of this? Well, hopefully not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and you can think of like, so connecting that with the gospel again, so that one week in Thomas's life was a test by fire, you know, a test by darkness. Yeah. and I guess you could frame an entire homily around the pandemic and be talking about how, you know, gold is tested by fire and faith is tested by darkness. And how is it that in the darkness of not being able to see the Lord as clearly as we once were able to, mm-hmm. God is able to still work and to pierce the darkness with his light. You know, kind of like I was saying earlier with the Easter Vigil is that you reclaim the night. Yeah. The resurrection yeah. Yeah. Because the darkness is no longer dark for him. You know, it's not... It's never been dark for him, you know, and so, yeah, we're living through a dark time, but it's not dark for him, and the resurrection light still pierces through. Right, and the, stu- this the is sun still rises. Gold. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, I good, I hesitate good. to bring this reference in. I mm-hmm. doubt that I will do it in my homily, but I want to get your take on it. What's There's that? one thing that I've been thinking about this whole conversation. Oh, yeah. Is it the case that all you need is one bad day? Um, a, a killing joke, as it were? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, is one bad day enough to turn a good person yeah. bad? Um, and I mean, Thomas is kind of arguing that and saying no, even a bad week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's that's a good, that's an interesting question. I mean, Judas had one really bad yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and that one really bad day turned him to take his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is a Batman reference, by the way, about. in case nobody picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think so. I think one bad day can do a lot, but one good day can also do mm-hmm. a tremendous. Amount. Yeah, the opposite has yeah. to be true as well. Like all it takes is that mm-hmm. spark um, to ignite right. the fire. Yeah, Easter Sunday was one really good day. Yeah. <laughs> um, good Friday was one really bad day, mm-hmm. I guess. And so, you know, it could have changed things for the worse, but it didn't. And that's the good news of Easter. Um, you know, Thomas had one really bad week. And some people have a really bad year or a really mm-hmm. bad decade, you know. 
Um, I, had a, I have a good friend, actually you and I both have a good friend who's, who's my age, and he, he said, you know, the older I get, the more I realize it's okay not just to have a bad day or a bad week, but maybe even a bad year, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm getting to a point where I can say, I've had a really bad couple of years, mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Yeah. Like when we were younger, it was hard to think in terms of like a couple of years being bad, but that can be a season, you know, for somebody. Um, and I think the world is living through a season right now that might be considered a bad season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a time of famine. Um, but a time of famine can lead someone to break down into despair uh, or like Judas to take their own life. Or it could be like Thomas and Peter mm-hmm. who do fall and do experience a darkness, but turn around yeah. you know, and see, yeah. see the light. Um, True conversion. A yeah, metanoia for sure. even. For sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, man. Any uh, parting thoughts? Um, same as always. Go pray. Indeed. Cool, man. All right. Till next time. Peace. Bye.